I'm Jack Burnton, and this is In Praise of The Ellipsis. Hello, I'm Terry Gint, and this is Help, I'm Trapped in a World. Hello, I'm Bry. I'm Tone. We've been on loads of white-knuckle theme park rides, and this is Rollerboasters. He's very positive. It's like, finally, I have a good guy who's always positive. He's not constantly putting a terrible spin on everything. Everything's great. You know, everything's great. And that's different. A clip there from Serial Monogamists, the women who marry breakfast mascots. Hello and welcome to the Soundy Podcast, the podcast of podcasts. It's your one-stop shop for the best podcasts around. I'm John Luke Roberts, the CEO and fun captain of Soundheap Inc. There are 1,201 podcasts in the Soundheap family, and I'm here to give you a taste of just a few of them. Later in the show, we've got a taste of the podcast for lads who love salads. It's Salads. All right. Salads, 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 about the Terry Cool tragedy. Following the beloved host's apparent death, we've discontinued Conspiracy Heap with immediate effect. We would like to apologise if it seemed like we were associated with our subsidiary Conspiracy Heap in any way, and apologise if you felt that we in any way endorsed any of the programmes that we make. Terry is just one of the victims of conspiracy theorists. There are many more. This week I've received dozens of sobering messages and emails from pizza chefs, tech billionaires, sheeple and lizards whose lives have been ruined by the spread of unverifiable slurs about them. We cannot undo the past, but we can attempt to undo the future. We've been reaching out to some of the victims of conspiracy theorists and offering them podcasts. I'm proud to announce the first fruits of this outreach. The Freemason secret podcast to talk about secret Freemason stuff. If you are not a Freemason, then keep out. So take a listen. But if you're not a Freemason, please respectfully don't. All Freemasons present say aye. 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 Right, that's two Freemasons. If you're not a Freemason, stop listening. Stop listening and get out. And get out, we do our lovely secret things and you're not to come in and hear our secret things by listening to our secret podcast. Stay out, you stupid not Freemasons. You know what I call the people who aren't Freemasons? <laughs> what do you call them? I call them caged men. Oh, he does, he does. <laughs> so, oh. we like, uh, we sort of, we, we're Freemasons. Yeah. We've got, we've got lovely buildings. Exactly. Uh, and it's normal, it's right? Normal. It's, it's normal. normal. What? Well, uh, yeah, it, it pisses me off. It pisses well, yes, me off. Yes, Because yes, 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 it's yes. normal. It's, it's secret, normal. but it's, it's normal. What? Well, and you know what else is secret? I mean, this is the thing people say, well, if it's normal, then why is it secret? Yeah. But there's lots of things in life which are normal, but we keep secret. You know, I don't go and do a SH1T in public. I do no. it secret. I and don't tell normal. anyone when I'm doing it. It's mm-hmm. normal. Often, when I'm off to do an SH1T, I'll position... 
mm-hmm. enough like pillows in a way that they create the silhouette of a man. So if anyone yeah. looks into the kitchen or the living room where I was, they'll think I'm still there, not knowing that I've gone off to mm-hmm. uh, to have an SH1T. And that is normal, because who wants, it's who wants just to broadcast normal. it? When I see... I've walked past people's houses and I've seen their bathroom light is on. Ugh. And I'm like, you may as well have done an SH1T, SH1T. In my, through my letterbox. I'd rather, actually, mm. that they did do the SH1T... Uh, sorry, um, I shouldn't have said that so loud. Uh, through my letterbox, mm-hmm. then uh, you know, just uh, with their lights, so, uh, l- at least be honest. Be honest. Be upfront about it. Be upfront about it. Yeah. I'm having an SH1T, and you are part of it. Yes, and it's not. It's a normal thing to do, and it's a normal thing to hide, and it's a normal thing to want people to know that you're hiding it. And that is, and what we've been saying. This is what the Freemasons is. Documentary time now, as we listen to an excerpt from Soundheap's They Said I Was Mad series, with a clip from this week's episode, The Only Dry Ski Slope in the Alps. We've been planning this for 17 years. Everyone said... It's not going to work. You've got the real ones, you know. I just always had it in my heart to do it. Did crowdfunding and it took 17 years to raise the money. We opened right in the middle of the ski season because we thought there'd be enough people there then to sort of try everything out. So we opened in sort of November I wouldn't say business is busy. I don't want to sugarcoat things. For some reason, people are a little bit slow to come in, but we're confident the last 17 years haven't been wasted. And what is your footfall? It's zero. It's zero. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's coming even just for a laugh. Someone's stuck. We've got, obviously, a fence surrounding it so people can see, oh, that's a special thing, that's not like the snow. I mean, snow's just boring. So we've got a lot of signs on the outside of it saying, snow's boring, come inside, in French and English, you know. And um, there is a fence there, and someone did stick their head over and shout shout abuse at us, actually, but um, that's it. What did they say? They said, what are you doing? You've wasted, you've wasted the last 17 years. Why did you do this? Sort of lots of whys, you know. Uh, because on the outside as well, it says we've been playing this for 17 years because we thought we'd like tug at the heartstrings. You know, people are sort of a bit curious. is when we built it we had to go over a natural run a natural red run so we got the curve of the mountain which is actually selling point but they were like why did you go over a perfectly good ski run and we were like because it's a dry ski slope (laughs) it's better than snow with snow you don't know what you're getting it's it's you know with a with a dry ski slope it's all artificial so you know what you're getting Cos 
because we crowdfunded for 17 years, we've got, I think it's probably about 67, 68 million pounds left because we've got a lot of lot of investors so we can afford to stay open for about 300 years even if no one came in for that time it'll go down the family you know what I don't care if people don't come the most important thing is that I did it doesn't matter whether people don't come And do you use it yourself? No, I don't ski. I don't ski. I think it's weird, to be honest. Why would you ski when you can walk? It's like you go on a lift and you go down a slope. It'd be all right if you were skiing to something. Like, I know they, you know, they say, oh, I'm skied to the restaurant. But it's not about that. It's about skiing. I don't get it. It's weird. It's weird. You've got st- sticks instead of arms and sticks instead of legs. You're listening to Soundheap. Soundheap, we've got buckets of the stuff. <coughs> oh my God, oh Christ. Oh God, that's cold. That's really, oh, that's really cold. Well, I shouldn't have worn socks or something. That's soaking. Okay. <coughs> if you could keep your head when all about you are losing, are losing theirs. Oh, oh geez. And blaming it on you. If you can, if you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance. Oh, a clip there from Beppa Torpy's "There's Ice Cream in My Shoe." Each episode, Beppa Torpy puts some ice cream in a shoe, then puts his shoe on and tries to read "If" by Kipling, but gets distracted by the ice cream in his shoe. This week, there's a very special episode of How to Put Out a Raging Fire, brackets, mainly guesses, close brackets, as host Gregory Shame is joined by French President Emmanuel Macron. So, de rien écoutez-vous à la podcast de la Présidente à la République, s'il vous plaît. Bien. There's a fire, say. Uh, uh, feu? Feu, I suppose you'd say. Yes, le feu. Le feu. It's a, it's a, big, uh, a big problem, but mm-hmm. uh, it can also be uh, good as well, uh, we, we have found. Absolutely. Uh, warmth, uh, meat. Yeah. Uh, it's good for team building, I find, too. You can sort of walk over it. But the, the question we're asking today is very much how to put it out. You know, if you do want that fire gone, if you're not kind of... You haven't got your marshmallows out or something like that. What? Yes, yes, why? yes. You know marshmallows? Um, they're sort of squishy. Yes, uh, yes this is a very uh, popular uh, food uh, in and around the fire. So I, I understand the comments that you made about the marshmallow in relation to the fire. I thought that was very apt. Uh, so what I was thinking, if we're constantly dangling these marshmallows... Um, next to the fire to heat them, to melt them, to make them go sort of, uh, you, you know, to lose their structure so that we can enjoy them. Mm. Now, I was, uh, it occurred to me that this actually might infuriate the fire, as if we're taunting the fire with our little sticks on the end of the little sticks. Um, I assume you know the word stick. 
that there's a uh, you know a I suite. don't, but uh, I'm I'm deriving from context, so please continue. <laughs> the the point is, if we start giving them marshmallows, will they? go, thank you very much, now I'm satisfied, I no longer feel this lack, I can go to my rest. I think that it is a question of a global cooperation and a global uh, analysis, as you say, with this idea that the fire in one uh, pit or in one town or house is not... Uh, going to act independently of its context. And if you willingly abandon the traditional practice of approach and withdrawal uh, with a marshmallow towards the fire in relation to one fire, you will simply make the others uh, a lot more angry. And that will not solve the problem it's going to have to be something that we do all at the same time to every fire mm. around the world and that is a, a dream but it is a dream that i would uh, like to sign up to because uh, it is only through that group action that we can uh, make the fire see that we are determined in that way it feels good to know that we're doing our bit to improve Anglo-French relations. We'll have more of President Emmanuel Macron's episode later on. Have you ever wondered about the origins of some of the phrases we use every day? I was just chatting to my assistant about it earlier. I said, Dorney, do you know where the phrase you can take a horse to water but you can't make him drink comes from? And Dorney said, do you know where the phrase mind your own f business comes from? I said I didn't. For an in-depth listen about the history of phrases, why not listen to Many a Mickle with Martin Hoop? Here's a clip from this week's episode, introduced by Martin. Hello, so what you'd like is for me to introduce myself, just, or, uh, just to say who I am. Hello, so I'm Martin Hoop, and here's a clip from my podcast, Many a Mickle. Hello. My name is Cecily Peanut, and I am a historian and scuba diver. Oh, yes, so this is a lovely phrase. You can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. You can't. Now, what people don't know about this phrase is that it actually started off as two phrases. First one, you can't make an omelette. Second one, who's breaking some eggs? Now, there was, of course, in the 15th century, brought in a very regressive tax by Richard the third, what a naughty king, terrible king, horrible man. We all know that. Buried, of course, in Leicester. No connection. He reigned for but two years, and in those years, he brought in attacks against omelettes. I think you better get a bigger fish to fry. Well, let's not talk about frying, because he didn't like it. He didn't like omelettes. Okay, okay, so we have that part. You can't make an omelette. Richard the third, you can't make an omelette. Repealed, this will shock you in the Glorious Revolution. Don't Break Any Eggs does come from a wartime, First World War edict, Don't Break Any Eggs. And it was from a particular type of soldier in the trenches called the Egg Messenger. Now, the Egg Messenger would go from trench to trench, dropping off eggs, three eggs here, 
three eggs there, kind of like a milkman, but a very dangerous milkman, and some might say an unnecessary milkman. So what he would do is jump in the trench, get the three eggs out, and then what all the Tommies, as they were called then, would shout is, thanks a lot, Gov, don't break any eggs. And he'd say, I shan't, you know, because it really wasn't worth it for him. If he were to break the eggs, I mean, he'd be court martial. In 1952, when Queen Elizabeth herself was crowned, <laughs> she rather mistakenly thought that you can't make an omelette, uh, was still an edict. So one of her first televised interviews, they said to her, what plans as queen? How will you rule? And she said, you can't make an omelette. Straight away, you can't make an omelette. Then her mother, at that time, heard it, immediately had a deep sensorial flashback to the First World War. And she heard this omelette and her first phrase was, don't break any eggs. So, of course, it was reported as, you can't make an omelette without breaking any eggs. And that's how we got the phrase today. You're listening to the Soundheap podcast. Soundheap, here for you. Now, a welcome return for Crying with Tony. Tony, I've got I've got got a handkerchief there somewhere. I don't. No, that's not a handkerchief. Christ, what's that? Oh, I remember. Hang on, let me try my other pocket. I've never seen that volume of tears falling out of a human eye before. I went to uh, an an onion peeling festival once, and this is nothing. No, there's nothing in that pocket. Okay, I don't think I've got a handkerchief. Let's use my sleeve. Yeah, it's not a very nice jacket, is it? Um, uh, Do you want me? Do you want to see the butterflies now? Okay, I'll just just get them out. Try not to... If one lands on you, try not to cry on it. Because uh, you'll just... I think there's a lot of salt in... These are very rare, these butterflies, and the salt in tears can melt them. Sure, this is the best program to bring these on. Hang on. That's it, that's very good. Just keep, just keep still. That's it. Oh, look, there's one on your nose. Go Yes, they're beautiful, aren't they? Well, the uh, the blue one there, that's called the uh, ne- Nepalese blue. Um, that comes from Yorkshire. I don't know what it's called. Nepalese blue. Do you want... Do you want to come back tomorrow? Okay. This one, uh, this this uh, this one is called the uh, the orange bastard. Um, that is from Nepal. The other four, uh, well, I think they're just moths. They just got in there. 
Right, come on, come on, butterflies. In, 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 in you go. In you go. Come on. That's it. I'm just going to back in. Butterflies. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they are. I'll, uh... Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And, uh... Thank you. Don't go. No, don't go. Okay. Please. I've just got the butterflies away now. I might as well let them out again if I'm staying. And I've been assured by Tony's people that no animals were harmed in the making of that episode. Although they did caveat it by saying, I mean, butterflies are more of a plant, really, aren't they? I don't know about you, but I could really do with some more French President Emmanuel Macron right now. And I'm in luck, because here's another excerpt from How to Put Out a Raging Fire, brackets, mainly guesses, close brackets. May I say, uh, uh, President, uh, I found that very moving. It has often been remarked that my speeches and vision have a unique and rare beauty. And it's um, a credit to you that you recognize that yourself on this small program. Hmm. Well, thank you, President. And before we go, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, Yes, I have a small... Uh, it's a little toy, but a great one for all the family. It's uh, me on a, a wall, and uh, I sing when uh, there is a loud noise in the room. Uh, I will sing in the midnight hour, and it's uh, cheers, cheers everybody at my house. And I think that this Christmas it will cheer uh, a lot of families who who really need it right now. They have been suffering terribly. And they um, and that's available from uh, all good toy stores, I suppose. Or... Uh, Smiths exclusively. They have a deal, and if you buy two copies of the Telegraph and the Chocolate Orange, you uh, you can buy my uh, doll for uh, slightly more money than the RRP, but you get a, a better one because not all of them are good. Under the Podcast Patriotism Act 2022, we're legally obliged to balance out any French political centrists with a political centrist of our own. So here's a clip from Remember Clegmania, hosted by Nick Clegg. It's the show where former leader of the Liberal Democrats and 2010 to 2015 coalition junior partner Nick Clegg asks, Do you remember Clegmania? Do you feel like um, looking back on Clegmania, it it sort of had a point, didn't it? It sort of um, it sort of it looks right, like it was crazy, but but you go, yeah, it makes sense. I'm sorry, what uh, I Clegmania, Clegmania, yes, that's what we're talking about. Clegmania, remember Clegmania? That's the podcast. I don't remember Clegmania. Oh, you do, <laughs> you do. I think you Clegmania. do, you do, you do. It was Is that like the, was that a band? No, like no, no, the... no, no. Um, well, you know who I am. You know who you're talking to on the podcast. I'm Nick Clegg. Nick, and you remember, yeah. Clegmania was about me. 
It was about... But it was, why, why, people why didn't people were going crazy mania, about then? me. But why wouldn't they call it Leg Mania? Well, my name is Nick Clegg. Yeah. And if your surname's Leg, then why wouldn't they call no, it... No, no, no. That's not my surname. My surname isn't Leg. It's Clegg. You knew that. You knew that about me. That's a weird surname. No, it's not. It's my, it's my surname. You thought my name was Nick Legg? It's not. No, it's Nick Clegg. Well, that sounds a lot like Nick Legg. That's just about it for the Soundheap podcast this week. Before we say boop boop, though, here's this week's punch out. Investigative woman Debigail Hooch has been fact-checking the saying you can't swim in the same river twice in her eight-part podcast, What? Not even the f***ing why? Let's take a listen. What I'm saying is, I don't like the idea that rivers have just got, you know, got this thing that they do, which is to change all the time. Well, they, and that's the point. Change. That is the point, of course. The molecules, um, the water particles, molecules, they, they, you know, they're, they're constantly moving along so that you're not, you can't be in the same What if river. I swim really fast? With, like if I swim the same, at the same time as the river? Well, you'd be, you'd be swimming in the same river once. Yeah. Well... Yeah, all right. What if I keep swimming in it? Well, then if I you, just keep going. Then that's the same time. That's the same time. Yeah, so that's the same river. What if yes, I live in the river? But you're not swimming in the river. That's twice, the same river, isn't it? Well, yes, why is it? Why is? Why hasn't it got the same? Why isn't it changing its name all the time? Like if I dip my toe in now, right? If I dip, like really quickly, really quickly, and out really quickly, like that. Yeah. And I'm gonna and I'm go back it. Like I'll show you. I'll do, I'll do it. I'll do it quicker. Right. That that was out and in. Out and in, you're not telling me that that isn't the same river. Well, it, yes, it, it, I, I'm not. No, I'm not telling you that. Soundheap was presented by me, John Luke Roberts, and featured Bilal Zafar, Izzy Sutty, Gareth Gwynn, Johnny Donahoe, Josie Long, Jos Norris, Ken Cheng, Kevin Eldon, Kieran Hodgson, Margaret Cabon Smith, Paddy Jervers, and Suze Kempner. The original music was by Paddy Jervers and Rob Sell at Torch and Compass, and the producer was Ed Morrish. Soundheap is a Lead Mojo production for Audi. Boop, boop. <laughs>